Okay, the fourth. I was at Target today getting some of the supplies. I wore this shirt, and a lady was super excited that I was wearing it. She goes, hey, nice shirt. May the fourth be with you. And I felt weird saying it back to her. So I awkwardly said in return, to you as well. To you as well. So turn to your neighbor and say, may the fourth be with you. Listen, I don't care if you're not a Star Wars fan. Anytime we get to celebrate something and do something fun, we're going to do it. Today, Dottie and I were watching Rogue One. It's my favorite Star Wars movie. It's one of my favorite Star Wars movies. And in the movie, one of the characters, one of the main characters, Jen Erso says something that hit me in the face today. And I want to talk about it, if that's okay. Can I get into it? Say, get into it. She was trying to compel the rebellion to say, hey, let's go steal the plans of the Death Star. And they're like, you crazy. That's crazy. If you've never seen the movie, the Death Star is a really big planet-like weapon that destroys other planets. We got to destroy that thing. And there's really no other way to do it. And someone says, hey, you want us to do this not over a fact, not over a plan, but over a hope. And she said something in the movie that about got me to an altar call. She said, rebellions are built on hope. So tonight's title of the message is called, Join the Rebellion. Join the Rebellion. And she's right, you know. Rebellions... Like, what are they? The willingness to be different, to fight for something different, right? Rebellions begin with hope. Say hope. Tonight, I'm recruiting all of you into the rebellion. Who or what are we rebelling? Today, you and I face an enemy that wants us to conform to the false images and false gods that we see and face every day. We don't rebel away from God, but we rebel away from sinful culture and toward God. If the only thing Jesus changes about our lives is what we do on Thursdays and Sundays, then we're not as rebels. We are no different than the world. So tonight, very quickly, say quickly. Say quickly, Pastor Izzy. I'll I'll, I'll try. Relax, relax. Tonight, you and I are going to look at three. Say three. Say pick number three, my Lord. It's a Shrek. It was a Shrek joke. I'm sorry. Three ways to rebel against the sinful culture we live in today. Say rebel. Rebel. Number one is this. Have faith. Have faith. And in parentheses, I put a new hope. What is hope? Is it just wishful thinking? Is it synonymous with making a wish? Well, the word is used in the Bible, and I'd like to look at that and see the definition. You'll see it in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Go ahead, throw it up there. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You see, faith is assurance for what we hope for, which means it is a certainty. The definition of the phrase hoped for is this. You'll see it on the screen. In a religious sense, to wait for salvation with joy and full confidence. 
This is absolute confidence that we hope for will be. It is absolute faith. It is a conviction that whatever we hope for will happen. You see, hope is a positive motivator, right? Like, aside from fear, right? Like, I think of, like, the elf on the shelf when it comes to fear, right? How do we get kids from, like, behaving, right? Because ultimately, the elf on the, on the shelf is, is a snitch, and he's going to tell Santa about how bad you've been, right? Hate that fool. For your parents, they kind of motivate you with fear. Do this or pop out, right? Like, do this or you're grounded, right? But sometimes the fear doesn't work unless it's constantly brought up. But hope, hope is a positive motivator. It's not a punishment for bad behavior. Rather, it's a positive outcome to strive toward every day. Say hope. Instead of looking at sin or bad things we do, and trying to desperately not to do them anymore in fear of punishment, we instead look at the right thing, the God-honoring thing, and we strive to do that. Because we hope that God, because we have hope that God is real, God is good, and he wants what's best for us. The Old Testament is filled with a lot of godly rebels. People in the Bible that were like, you know what? I'm not going to be told what to do, especially especially if it goes against what God has told me to do and what I believe in. There's plenty of people in the Bible that saw the opportunity to not rebel and to conform, and they did. In Genesis 12, verse 1 and 3, you're not going to see it on the screen, but I want you to write that down. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. We see a man named Abraham, and God promised him that he will give him and his family a whole bunch of land. That God would later revealed to him. You know, Abraham moved out of an area even though he didn't know where he was going. Kind of sounds like Pastor Ariel and I straight up moved to Chicago without knowing if we were going to have a house or not. Yeah, I'm telling you, there's a lot of stress with all that. That's, that's hope. But you got a place to stay? Hope so, right? You know, you know, where are you staying tonight? I don't know. I hope I find a place, right? He eventually came into the land of Canaan and God revealed a little more about his promise. So you're going to see this on the screen a little bit later after Genesis 12, Genesis 17, verse 8. This is God. He says, And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings and the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So there's a word underlined there, and it's called sojourners. A sojourner. That's an important word for us to remember today. I like, you know I like vocab. A sojourner is a person who lives somewhere, but they're not from there. They were strangers in a foreign land. A sojourner doesn't assimilate to the land they are in. They don't become like the citizens of that nation because they are just temporary residents. They have a different home with a different cultural expectation, and there's no reason to assimilate to this place when they're not even staying. They're heading home. Now, if you are really saved, you already know where I'm going with that. You already know. We, you and I, we're not from here. What I mean here is this world. You and I are citizens, and we're going to talk about that. Citizens of where? Citizens 
of heaven. And I'll back that up with scripture later. But this idea of sojourning was important to the people of Israel because it really reminded them that God's got them. That if they remained faithful to God wherever they went. Now, they were exiled. They were in Egypt. They were in Persia. They were in Babylon, right? Any, everywhere but their own place. But they remained faithful to God's law because they saw that God had a promise for them. No matter what happened, they were going to remain faithful to God. Why? They had hope in God. So when they were somewhere that didn't worship him, they rebelled. They're like, when they were at a place that they worshiped everything else, they're like, we're not going to do any of that. But it's important that the birthplace, what we understand as rebel leaders in this society, we need to have a foundation of hope and who our hope is in. I want to talk about someone today that I saw was a great example, a young person by the name of Daniel, and he's got some three friends. Daniel is a great example of this whole idea because Daniel and his friends were taken from their home, from Babylon, and after Babylon overthrew Israel. So what am I saying? They got overran, they got conquered, and now they're shipped somewhere else. Immediately, they were put into an emulation training, which basically meant they were going to go and almost be trained and somewhat brainwashed into being a Babylonian. But they're not, right? They're Israelites, okay? So they get taken, and now all of a sudden, they're saying, hey, you've got to do what we do in order to live here. And I love what they do. I want you to throw up Daniel 1, 3 through 7 on the screen. It's the next slide. We can't go into this because we don't got a lot of time, and it's a really awesome story. And so if I just spoon feed you the stuff, the, the stuff, the scripture and these stories, then you're not going to go read it yourself. And so we are all disciples. Amen. So I want you to take a picture of this right now. And I want you on your own time and your devotional time this week. I want you to read Daniel 1, 3 through 7. It is awesome. It is a great story. We're going to touch on some of it here in a second. This passage, though, this right here gives us four names. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And all these had names that honored God. These are great names. These are, these are God-honoring names. And they honored their relationship with him as a Jewish person. But the Babylonians, once you read in Daniel 1, 3 through 7, you're going to see that the Babylonians gave them new names, which had meanings related to the gods of Babylon. So not our God, their gods, their little gods. They wanted to change their very identity. I wonder how many of us are in situations where somebody wants to change your name. I wonder if some of us are in moments and in times in our lives where you know God has called you and he's called you clean. He's called you pure. He's called you whole. He's called you strong. He's called you smart. That's the name that he's put over you. But for some reason, you've got friends or you've got people, you've got things in your life that like to try to change your name and make your identity something that is of a false God. But I love what Daniel and his boys do. They're awesome. They're like, we ain't having it. Say, we ain't having it. The Babylonians gave them new names, which were meanings related to the gods of Babylon. They wanted to change their very identity, but these four young men weren't having it, which leads me to my next point. First one is have faith and a new hope. Second one is don't conform. Attack of the clones. Don't conform. 
If you've ever seen Attack of the Clones, if you've ever seen anything Star Wars, they're literal clones. They just clone an army. And that's kind of what conforming kind of makes us, right? Like, when we conform to the world, we end up being just clones. Nothing special, nothing going on. Notice, like, clone troopers, they all wear the same thing. They all march the same way. And they all can't hit a target to save their lives, right? Like, they all are terrible shooters, right? Like, that's what it means to conform. Daniel 1 verse 8 says this. Throw it up on a screen. It says, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Next slide. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him to not defile himself. Pause. What's happening? This is what I'm saying. You need to go back and read the actual story because a little sneak peek right here is they're like, y'all need to eat and drink what we do because we're trying to make you Babylonian men. And he's like, listen, we're not going to do that. We're not supposed to eat meat. We're not supposed to drink wine. Like, we're not going to do any of that. And so here's the deal. If you let us not defile ourselves, you will see that we will be stronger and better than everybody else. And so they did. So the eunuch was like, you know what? I'm going to let y'all do it. Here's what happened. They had already decided they were not going to break God's laws. They were not going to change their identities. That's called a rebellion. So they risked their lives by speaking up. They weren't going to eat what God had said not to eat, and God blessed them for it. The person in charge of them was so moved that they stood for what they believed in that ultimately he made everybody else follow suit. You know when you rebel against the status quo of the world, you know people are going to take notice. You know when you don't talk a certain way like everybody else, do you know people are going to notice? Now, I made a joke last week that it's okay to cuss a little, right? It was a joke. But let me tell you something. Like if the world's going to talk a certain way, if the Babylonians are going to talk a certain way, and I'm called to rebel against that, rebel against the things that are rebelling against God, I'm not going to talk like a Babylonian. Why would I do that? And so for some of us in here, we need to change the vocabulary. You're like, where can I start, Pastor Izzy? And this isn't my notes, but I'm going to say this. Start with your vocabulary. What are you saying? How are you talking? What makes you different? If you are in a room full of Babylonians, what makes you different? What makes you an Israelite? Do you see where I'm going here for a second? What makes you different from them? Now, I'm not saying be better than people. Because a, a, lot of, a lot of the world likes to think that us Christians, because we don't want to eat what they eat, and we don't want to drink what they drink, and we don't want to say what they say, they automatically think that we're better than them. No, we're just honoring God. And we know God will bless us for it. So don't conform. Say, don't conform. So the person was so moved, and he saw that what they did worked, that ultimately the king was like, everybody's going to eat how they ate, because it works. Because it works. And so what am I saying here? When you decide to not conform, when you decide not to talk like the people in the locker room, when you decide to be more positive than the people around you, you know what's going to happen? There's evidence. There's evidence. So if I were to follow you around school, I love this question. If Pastor Izzy was a fly on the wall, and I showed up to Taft, and I showed up to Lane Tech, or I showed up to Lakeview, and I showed up to your school, and I followed you around, would I be able to spot you? Would I be able to say, yeah, he's different? Would I be able 
to see whether or not you've conformed. Because it's easy, it's easy to not conform in here, but you get out there, it's attack of the clones. It's everywhere. Everybody wants to do the same dance. Everybody, my knees almost just broke. Everybody wants to do that, right? Everybody wants to date this. Everybody wants to talk to that. Everybody wants to spit game this way. Listen, I, I'm asking you to rebel. I'm asking you to join the rebellion. And I want you to know that if you do it the right way, if you honor God in the way you talk, in the way that you walk, in the way that you present yourself, there will be evidence. So is there evidence? Here's one. Do people know you're a Christian at school? Do they even know? I wear my Jesus Loves You hoodie. Great. That's awesome. It's the last time you prayed for a student. Right? When's the last time you prayed for your class? Or prayed at your locker for the day? I'm asking you to not just not conform, but they didn't just quietly not conform. They stood up. They stood out. They said something. They don't conform. And Daniel... Three, we also read of this king named Nebuchadnezzar, and he made this law saying, hey, everybody check this out. When the music plays and the DJ drops the beat, here's what's going to happen. Everybody's going to bow to me and to, the, and to the idols that I've presented. They're like, all right, so go ahead, play the music, you know, something. That, not, that wasn't for you guys. That's for him, <laughs> playing that Star Wars trap music. He said, if you don't bow... If you don't worship me, the king, then you're going to be put to death. And so any guesses about who rebelled against the law? Daniel and his boys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or in VeggieTales term, Rack, Shack, and Benny. Which leads me to my next and final point. Is three don't go solo. Don't go solo. My second favorite Star Wars movie. I know that's cringy to some people, but it was so good. Don't go solo. Say don't. Say go solo. Rebellions don't thrive and survive on just one person. Throughout the Star Wars series, you'll hear things like join the rebellion or join the empire, right? So God did not intend for us to do life alone. That started in Genesis. Not only did he give us his Holy Spirit to not do life alone, the greatest comforter I know, but he gave us the local church. He gave us this right here, Belmont Assembly of God. He gave us a community. And so as I'm calling you to have faith, as I'm calling you to not conform, I'm also calling you to not go alone. I'm also calling you to not rebel alone. Look at Daniel. This is going to be a big chunk of scripture, but I know y'all are going to stay with me. And then we're going to be done. Daniel chapter 3, 12 through 18. This is the moment where Rackshack and Benny are like, we're not going to bow down, dude. We're not. We're just not going to do it. And then somebody tattletales on them. They're like, King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nezi, um, they didn't bow down, right? 
So now this is the moment where we, we pick up in Scripture. Again, you go back and read it. It's a phenomenal story. It's relevant today. So here we go. Daniel 1, here we go. Throw it up on the screen. Bow. There are certain Jews, this is them snitching, whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. So these guys, because they didn't do that other diet and did their diet, they got elevated. They got promoted. And now they're like overseeing certain provinces of the land, which is a big deal. So he says, over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear this, I like how he gave him like, Is it true? That y'all didn't do it? Don't answer. So we're about to. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. He's like, is it true that you clean, clean your room? That's like when your mom does that, you know? So he's saying, is it true that you didn't do it? Bet. Don't answer that. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. So now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, this is like your whole Spotify playlist playing at the same time. They had bagpipes back then? That's crazy. That's wild. To fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? I get chills because I'm like, you don't know my God like that. I am a lightsaber noodle grandmaster. I will, I will fight you, King Nezi. Like, I will. He says, and who is the God that is going to deliver you out of my hands? This is the most gangster part of the story right here. This is like, y'all ready for this? Next one. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Attitude. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hands. Next slide. This is crazy. But, say but. If not, I like that. You're, you're locked in. But if not, be it known to you. They're talking to the king here. Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. What is happening here? He said, listen, we ain't finna do it. I'm not gonna do it. You can't make me. No. No, I'm not ready. I don't want to do it. Right? I'm not going to do it. And you know what? God's going to save us. But even if he doesn't, even if God doesn't save me right now, I'm still not going to worship that false God. I'm still not going to do it. That is what I call a rebel. 
That is what I call a rebellion. What would cause these men who are about to die a horrible death? Some of y'all can't even handle sunburns, all right? Some of y'all at bonfires can't sit that close by because like, oh no, it's hot, right? Like, y'all can't handle sunburns. These guys are about to get toasted. <laughs> like, they are going into the oven. And what in the world do they say? God's going to save me, and if he doesn't, I don't care. I'm not going to do it anyway. There's like a type of grit. There's like a type of stubbornness. There's like a type of just moxie. That comes from somebody who has what? What would make them say this? Hope. Faith. That God is a man of his word. That God is not a liar. And if he says he will uphold me with his righteous right hand that we see in Isaiah, then he will uphold me with his righteous right hand. If God says that he is my deliverer, he is my strong tower. He is my place of refuge. Then guess what? He is my deliverer, my strong tower, and my place of refuge. That's what he is because he's not a liar. And listen, even if God, so this could even be used in, this, in an instance where does God let bad things happen? And we talked about suffering this past few weeks. And I'd say yes. That God would allow these things in our life, these bad moments, these growing pains to help refine us and redefine us and help us and grow us somehow, some way. He makes it work together for our good. And this is something that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this is something that they understood. Like God is still faithful. Even if I don't see him pull through this time, he's still faithful. These young men were bold. To be a rebel in your high school, you know what's gonna have to, you know what's gonna take? Boldness. Okay? You have to be bold. You have to be brave. Even when threatened with death, they were not going to yield. They would only follow and worship and obey God. Period. Period. This is why it's important to be here at Excel. Being a Christian is hard. Being a rebel is hard, and it gets more difficult when you try to do life alone. Excel youth ex exists to bring people together under one cause, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So don't go solo. Right here in this room, you are surrounded with other believers, with other Christians who are here to challenge you, help you, support, for you, support you, and pray for you. Daniel and his friends were like holy rebels because they were there sojourners. Remember that word we talked about, sojourners? They didn't belong to Nebuchadnezzar. They belonged to God. You don't belong to sin. You know what sin likes to do and likes to trick you with? That you're trapped, that you belong to it, that you're a slave to it. But I'm here to encourage you tonight. Your name is not that of sin. Your name is child of God, and God loves you, and he holds you, and he wants to be in relationship with you. That's God. They didn't belong to Nebuchadnezzar. They belonged to God. You don't belong to sin. You belong to him. Long story short, Nebuchadnezzar did have them thrown into a fire. Why am I laughing? Because that's just crazy. Dude, he was not bluffing. He's like, you don't want to do it? Bet. Tosses them in. Crazy story. Go read it. I promise you, your jaw's going to drop. But in short, thrown into the fire so that it can kill them 
But through a miracle, really through the very presence of God, they survived it. I would tell you how, but I want you to read it. But ultimately, they walked out. God actually did save them. They put their faith in God, refused to conform, and God protected them. We need to refuse to conform to what's going on around us. If what is happening isn't God-honoring, we're not doing it. We must see ourselves as sojourners like they did here on earth, unwilling to conform to the world, understanding our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Look at Philippians 3.20. You'll see it up here. How do I know that? Well, it says this. But our citizenship is in heaven. I couldn't have written it any better. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. I believe the best way for us to celebrate the promised Messiah, who has now come in the person of Jesus, is to rebel. It's to rebel. Just as the people of Israel rebelled while looking forward to promises, we too look at a promise that has already been fulfilled, a Savior who has already come. But we also look forward to his triumphal return. We await our Savior's return. And as we wait, we rebel. We don't rebel away from him, like I said earlier, but away from our culture and toward him. We rebel towards him. If the only thing Jesus' coming changes about our lives is what we do on Thursdays and Sundays, again, then we're not rebels. We're no different from the world. We need to be holy rebels, willing to endure whatever anguish that may bring because we have hope in the promises God has made to us as his children. In fact, to get the keys to come up, rebellions are built on hope. Rebellions are built on on hope. And the question remains, will you join the rebellion? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you're in this place with the power of your Holy Spirit and you're working in us. And this isn't super crazy motivational word, but what I do know that it's the truth. And you're calling us to be set apart from this world. You're calling us to be different. You're calling us to rebel against these systems that are trying to drag us down to an ultimate defeat. But you have defeated defeat. You've defeated the grave. You've never lost. So, Lord, tonight I know that there's some of us that maybe at one point we were standing strong in our faith. We were able to pray at the lunchroom. We were able to talk about what happens on Thursdays. We were able to share what God did in our life at Spring Breakaway. But now we are at a place where we've, we've conformed. God, I asked them the question, would I be able to tell a difference? And some of them here, if they were to answer that honestly, the answer is no. That they look just like everybody else. God, I know that this is the generation where we are going to see movements of your spirit like we've never seen before. 
I truly believe the people in this room are going to be leaders in a Chicago movement. I truly believe that you're going to use these students to do something phenomenal, miraculous. You're going to use these students to point people to you and your son Jesus. But it starts by rebelling against sin. It starts with rebelling against the enemy. Not allowing ourselves to get bogged down by what, what you've already saved us from. You've saved us from sin. You've saved us from death. But Lord, we know that your gift of mercy and your gift of grace is exactly that. It's a gift. And we have to accept that. Who is our hope in? Who is our trust in? Who is our faith in? I know, God, that there's some people here tonight and they can't answer that question or the answer to that question is anything but you. God, I know you want to encourage them tonight that you'll never fail them, that you'll always be with them, that you'll strengthen them, that you'll help them. You just want to listen to them. You want to speak to them. You want to heal them. You want to use them, not abuse them. So tonight, God, we just ask that you would soften our hearts to respond to this word. Say, God, I want to join the rebellion. I want to look different. And some of us are trying to do life here alone, and they've gone solo. And Lord, I know that you sit closer than a brother. I know in my personal life, God, you've been there for me like no one else. And in the same way, you've been with me my whole life. You're with them. Tonight, God, I just pray that they choose to follow you. And so if you're here, students, with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor Izzy, I've never followed Jesus before. I've, I've never actually decided straight up that I want to be a Christian. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a disciple. I want to be saved. Then tonight is the night to do it because you are not promised tomorrow. You're, tomorrow's not promised, the Bible says. And so I'm calling you with conviction in my heart to say, don't wait. I'm not asking you to be perfect God's not asking you to be perfect. God's not asking you to have it all together. God's not asking you to clean yourself up. Because newsflash, we can't. He's just asking you to come. He's asking you to believe. And just by believing and confessing, you'll be saved. The Bible says in Romans 10, verse 9, if you're to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that Christ died and rose again, you will be saved. That's it. That's it. You can be saved right now if you just believe. So cross this place. I'm going to count to three. Nothing magical. Nothing mystical. I just want to give you time. I'm going to count to three. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus and you want to do that for the first time tonight with no one else looking around, just me and God, I want you to just slip up your hand and put it right back down. That's it. 
That's it. I'm not going to try to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I want to give you that opportunity to be saved tonight. One, God loves you. Everything about you. Two, there's nothing that you can do in your life that would ever stop him from loving you. Three, if that's you, you want to give your life to Jesus, raise your hand. I see that. That's one. Is there anybody else? That's amazing. Anybody else? For the first time, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a Christian. I want what you have, Pastor. I want what everyone else has in this room. I don't really understand it, but I know I want it. Is there anybody else? I'll wait. I'll wait because I know God is moving in someone's heart right now. No one else is looking. Just slip it up. Put it right back down. Awesome. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to stand. Go ahead and stand. Many Christian ain't easy. Doing it alone is even harder. I'm so thankful that you all are here. I'm so thankful that we've decided to create a safe space in a community for people to come and not be judged, not be ridiculed, not be condemned for whoever they find attractive or whatever they decide to put in their body as a substance. That's not my job to clean you up. That's God's job. I'm just here to give you a space to belong. So maybe you didn't raise your hand because you're like, I still blank. I still do this. I still find this attractive. I still partake in this. I still may not fully believe in, listen, God loves you. And he wants to be your friend. And all those things will come together at some point. But your job and my job and God's calling is to just be in his presence, to just be with him. And so we had someone raise a hand, and so we're all going to say this prayer. I want you to repeat after me, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, here I am. Here I am. And here you are. And here you are. I know I'm a sinner. I know I make mistakes. I know I fail. And I know, God, there's nothing I can do to make it any better. But tonight, I realize I need Jesus. I need him in my heart. I need him in my mind. I need him in my soul. I just need Jesus. I need his help. I can't do this on my own anymore. I believe that your son Jesus died on a cross that was meant for me and took my sin and died with it. But I believe that on the third day, Jesus was resurrected and he lives and he reigns and he rules in heaven. I know this, that by believing in him and his resurrection, that I'm saved. I need you, Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Today, tonight, I'm made new. And tonight, I'm saved. And tonight, 
I start a relationship with the one true God. Tonight, I choose to rebel. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, come on, let's celebrate with those who prayed that prayer. Come on, that's awesome. That's amazing. Thank you, Lord. Even if one, the angels rejoice. The Bible says, even if one person, the angels are throwing a party right now. Heaven is rejoicing. You belong here. You belong here. Even if you only come once a month, you belong here. We love you. We want to support you. And those that didn't raise their hand, but you prayed that prayer for the first time and you meant it. And those of you that actually did raise your hand, welcome to the family of God. Welcome. This is your church home. We want to be your church home, meaning we want this to be a place where you could come and doubt. You can doubt here. You can doubt God here. You can ask questions here. We want to help process that with you. It's okay. It's okay. You can do that here. We want to help you. So if you raised your hand for that prayer, or you did it, and you prayed it, and you meant it, I want you to find me on the side of the stage over here, the platform, and I just want to give you a Bible. I want to pray for you. I want to celebrate with you. But I'm so glad you guys are here. Amen? Let me pray for you one more time. Lord, thank you for the best youth group in the city of Chicago. Thank you that you're speaking to us. They're moving. They're being kind and gracious. Thank you for giving us a place to come and hang out with you. In other countries, it's illegal to do this, but not here. We get to do it. So thank you, God. We don't take it for granted. Lord, help us be rebels. Help us not conform. Help us have faith. Help us not go solo in life. Help us do it with you and each other. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. I love you guys. I'll see you Friday, and I'll see you Sunday. God bless.